1: Welcome everybody to Talking Knicks. I'm here with my good pal Tom and my brother Kenny, and hey, let's talk Knicks. The
2: New York Knicks select Kristaps Orzinga. uh puffing and stuffing, Getting exciting the
1: crowd. So this week we had a, a pretty a down week with one highlight. uh Knicks went pretty one. Pretty good and, highlight. Yeah, good highlight. Knicks went one and three. One and two last week and then we had a game on Christmas on Monday. We took the week off. Or we're coming in late this week because of the Christmas holiday. Hope everyone had a Merry Christmas. You guys have a Merry Christmas? Kenny, I saw you yesterday. Did, did you have fun with yeah, me? Yeah,
3: I did. Uh, we We got together with the whole family. Uh, Greg got the, the family some Nick sweaters which we all wore. That'll be on our on our Christmas card, which should circulate to all of our listeners sometime soon. So uh, look forward to seeing that. We watched the Knicks games. Good times, good times all around.
1: And Tom, how about yourself? How was it?
0: Yeah, Greg. So I went and visited my folks down in Pennsylvania uh, for, for Christmas and we started it off with a bang. There was actually a power outage. There was some high winds and uh, knocked out the power for about three plus hours. And I missed as a result, I missed the first half of the Knicks-Sixers game, which was a major bummer. But I caught the second half, so I can talk knowledgeably about that. But I'll uh, I'll have some I have some questions for you guys. So um, other than that, solid Christmas all around.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. Um, Out with me. Yeah, we had a fun time. We watched the Knicks. Nice. Watched the Knicks lose, but that was that was sad. But other than that, it was good. But let's get into it. First game of the week, Knicks. Lost to the Hornets, 109-91. Uh, no Tim Hardaway Jr., as we'll discuss a little bit later. And no Porzingis in that one. Um, me and you were at work. We had a busy uh, busy week of work last week, so me and Kenny didn't see this one. By all accounts, it looks like it was terrible from the very beginning. They're losing by 18 at halftime. They lost the game by 18. Uh, losing by 24 going into the fourth quarter. Tom, did you, did you actually watch any of this game?
0: Do you have anything to say about it? I did. I watched about as much as I had to before I realized it was going to be a blowout and stay a blowout. But, um, yeah, I was just refreshing my memory looking at some of the stats. It feels like so long ago now that that game happened. But, um, no, so I I just wanted to throw out one stat at you guys because you guys know that one of the biggest strengths of the Knicks has been offensive rebounding all year. They rank second in the league in second chance points per game. But uh, the Hornets actually are the best in the league at preventing second chance points. So that was kind of one area I was looking at going into this game to see who was going to win, who's going to get the edge in that category. And uh, the, the Hornets outscored the Knicks 18 to nothing in second chance points. So uh, even though they only out rebounded the Knicks 12 to 10 in offensive rebounds. So just two more offensive rebounds, 18 more second chance points. Doesn't really add up, but uh, it was overall just not a pretty game, not a pretty game to watch. You guys didn't miss much, and the Hornets won yeah, by 18. So, there it is, there's the entire game. That's it, we, we figured Check it chance out. Points right there, good work, Tom.
3: Yeah, thank you. This is, a, this is a game that we we talked about on a lot last podcast. We were kind of writing it in as a win, and like at the end, we kind of caught ourselves realizing, hey, wait, hey, Tim Hardaway Jr. is not playing, so two of our best players aren't playing, and this was kind of a wake up. Because they had just won a game without KP and uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. So like, all right, we could just do that regularly. Um, and it turns out we can't. It turns out if we don't have our two best players, we can't regularly win games even against bad teams. And especially on the road. And uh, like Greg said, we had a busy week last week. So I, I think I only caught portions of it, as Tom said, enough to know that it wasn't good. Uh, I think Jake was texting us saying that we were making uh, Michael, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist look like a serviceable player in the NBA, and like looking at the box score, Frank Kaminsky, ten for 13, four for six from three, for twenty-four points. Come on, yeah. Like I love Frank as much as the next game, but come on.
0: Yeah, I uh, I texted you about Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. Actually, he was just grabbing rebound after ah. rebound, and uh, yeah, that was definitely an issue. They couldn't keep him off the glass, which is just rare for the Knicks. But um, yeah, Greg, do you did you uh, want to note anything in this game?
1: No, I got nothing to say really. Um, looks like Beasley tried to fill in, but there, there was nothing. He scored twenty three, but uh, uh, that maybe yeah. just maybe just empty stats.
0: I mean, I that's know. the thing though. Is like we, we've been saying week after week is that Beasley is not a role player, right? So when when the guys are out, when Porzingis and Hardaway are out, or maybe when Porzingis is just missing every shot, Beasley can step in and be a serviceable primary option, but mm-hmm. he really can't. Fall back into the ranks and be like a solid you know sixth man off the bench it's kind of funny that way, but you know in this game he was the the primary option, and it just it did not work out well and that that's kind of encapsulates beasley 's game overall. Some nights he can be your guy and and as we 'll get to he 'll take you all the way other nights he's just he 's not that consistent primary option when he 's got to go and it 's great when he doesn 't stuff like this happens
1: yeah, I mean, and it seemed like uh I, again, I didn't see anything, but looking at the box score, doesn't look like he was getting much help. I mean, Courtney Lee, one for eight, two points. That happens, and it's bad. And by the way, Jake just joined the call, so here he is. Jake, what did you see in the Hornets Knicks game?
2: Hey guys, it's me, Carmelo Anthony. Thanks for having me at the Garden a couple weeks back. Checking out. No. Hey, how how are you guys?
1: Doing well, we were just talking about how horrible the Hornet Snicks game was, but me and Kenny didn't even see it
2: man i I hate to say <laughs> not that we've ever mentioned it before, but the road home thing is <laughs> very real, just not a good game i i, I don't know we, and that's we're we're big UConn guys, so we always give love to Kemba, but how the Knicks look so flat I don't know and we I guess that was our our last night going like, full Beasley show, like, hey, hey, are you actually the MVP of the league or what's the deal? Turned out, uh, it's still undecided. Yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> still see. I mean, you know, Tom, Tommy Numbers, it, he'll say something like, don't shoot 16% from three, which smart. I don't know. I'm not the Numbers guy. But, yeah, the, the Charlotte game was the, I don't know, I don't want to say bad omen to get the week going, but that's a, that's a tough one. They were struggling – struggling big into that game so i don't know
0: yeah what a pleasant surprise to have you here one bright spot i did want to note though was that frank nilakina did have had a strong showing he was four for seven from the field he had three assists still two turnovers but uh had a steal he you know 10 points overall he looked he looked solid right so i mean you got to take the those nuggets where you can find them
3: was that the game where he got his first
0: dunk
1: i think so i
3: think it?
1: it was a terrible dunk but he dunked it nonetheless but he,
3: but he dunked it like pretty yep. pretty effortlessly it wasn't exciting but he like dunked it two-handed effortlessly i saw the i now, saw the twitter clips
2: now he's a dunk machine kid can't be stopped yeah
3: next next game he just had a steal and dunk boom just like that's his thing now cuz that's what we were talking about was instead of missing layups he should just dunk it and he did Make that dunks. which is nice yeah,
1: yeah yeah so watch out for him in the slam dunk competition <laughs> so
2: let's move on first, to our first I announcement
1: yeah, our highlight of the week—the Celtics game. This, uh, this was an unexpected victory, I would say, especially considering what Porzingis did. He came back from injury. I think he missed the previous two. I, I guess he kind of came back from injury, in and in uh, a, he was on the court at least. <laughs> he wasn't really playing basketball. Shot zero for eleven, scored one point, and the Knicks beat the number one seed in the Eastern Conference somehow. Uh, And that somehow was because Michael Beasley actually played like the MVP. Uh, It was funny because in the fourth quarter, he only had about 15 points and he was going to the free throw line and the crowd just started chanting MVP. And from there on, he just, he scored every, every single time. He ended up with 18 points in the, in the quarter alone and 32 in the game and It's just funny because he was hearing the MVP chance when he only had about 15 points and you wouldn't expect him to continue, but he did. He heard it and he, he, he ran with it. So what were your thoughts on that game, Tom? It was a good one.
0: It was a good one. And as poorly as the Knicks did on the offensive glass against Charlotte, they, they kind of regained their edge against Boston. They, uh, and Boston's known to, to be a little weak in the front court, right? So, I mean, Horford's a little – I wouldn't say soft. Maybe you guys would. But uh, he, he doesn't do a great job against the more uh, dominant bigs like – I mean, just physically imposing bigs like Cantor. So, against Boston, the the Knicks outscored the Celtics 18-5 to 5 on second-chance points. So, um, And, and it had a 40-24 to 24 edge in points in the paint. So, just anything near the rim, the, the Knicks were just the, the more aggressive, more physically dominant team in this one. And uh, and the Celtics just couldn't couldn't make a three really. They were 13 for 38, uh, for 34%. That's that's decent, but um, I think when you're when you're jacking 38 threes, you're hoping to make a few more of those. So uh, yeah, just just around the rim is where the Knicks won this one.
1: Yeah, and so where I'm- the Knicks shot Knicks shot 16% from three against the Hornets. They shot 57% from three against the Celtics. So. That was helpful compared... But the Knicks are also only shooting the least amount of threes in the NBA, so that fluctuation is is a matter of about four or five threes in the Knicks. Case. It was five. So, Kenny, what were you going to say? I was going to say exactly what you were going to say. Is,
3: as Tom was saying, uh, if you're shooting 38 threes, you're hoping for a better clip. If you're shooting, 14, or, uh, shooting 57%, I think you should probably be shooting more threes, but... What do I know? But like like everyone's kind of said, Michael Beasley, like you said, uh, heck of a game after he got the MVP chance. At one point, he scored, I think, 22 out of 32 points for the Knicks, which is a pretty good clip. Uh, also pulled down 12 rebounds. And you guys know me. I'm all about Frank, who shot two for two from three. He had uh, two steals. And like, like we said in the last uh, – while talking about the last game, he had a, a steal breakaway dunk, which – is great to see because he'd previously
1: been missing layups. Um those are those were both big threes too. Those were those basically an entirely Beasley fourth quarter plus those two threes. Yeah. And there was one where Marcus Smart was guarding him and he got it, and like Marcus
3: Smart was just like, I'm just gonna let him shoot it. And he and then he made it and you see Marcus Smart just like shrugging, like talking to Al Horford, like, what the heck just happened? And it was Frank.
1: Frank just happened. Marcus Smart thought he was guarding himself. Must be what happened. Yeah. Zing. That's that's how you guard Marcus Smart. Yeah, so, you're the Knicks. so um Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Marcus Smart is my least favorite player in the NBA, I think. <laughs>
2: uh, you're just joining us.
1: Yeah. Uh not I like his he tries hard, but he flops and he's bad. So that's about it. I was Yeah, and I was complaining at a time about that
3: during the game because he tries really hard and he plays really physical and then he flops and it's like, come on, man. You can't play physical and then, like, flop when someone else plays physical with you. Like, that's just –
1: I hate that. Hey, Jake, what about you, man? What are you thinking? What about Marcus Smart? What about the game in general?
2: Last episode, we had the perfect segues. I think when you said he tries hard, he's bad, and flops a lot. That should have just came right to me. That's give me the rock. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> those are those are serious laughs, people. You should see it. And I I hate to go to negative town. I don't know if it's because I just watched the finale of Ozark or I'm seeing myself in the G chat here. I kind of look like Brian Windhorst in a Knicks jersey. But the Celtics are struggling a little bit. They're they're five five and six in their last eleven, and uh, the Knicks at home are just a very good team this year. They're um, after that game they were fifteen and five at home, which is Kind of incredible. I think Tom hit the nail on the coffin a couple of weeks back when he said that, you know, sometimes the bench doesn't travel. I mean, the the whole plus minus of the bench was positive for the Knicks this game, mostly to Michael Beasley. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jeff, just just how Hornacek drew it up, you know, have Zinger go 0 for 11 and then let Beasley go in there and get the MVP chance against the best team in the league.
3: And that was the thing, right? With the bench, is they played the entire fourth quarter except uh, I think it was Ennis Cantor came out, f- or not uh, Ennis Kanter? Kylo um, well,
1: Quinn came out. Kylo for Quinn Courtney came Lane. out for
3: for, for Courtney Lee say. for the last like twenty seconds or something. Yeah. But other than that, the bench of Ron Baker, Frank Nilakina, Kylo Quinn, Doug McDermott, and Michael Beasley played the entire fourth quarter. Um, another thing, I can't believe I. Didn't mention when we were talking about Frank um, was just the defense that he played on Kyrie, and I'm sure you guys saw all the clips that were going around of just him staying in front of Kyrie, him forcing a couple turnovers, and it's like that's that's the good stuff that we want to see from him.
1: Yeah, and Kyrie was very complimentary of his defense, said he's looking forward to playing against him in the future. Yeah. yeah. So is that a
3: shot at LeBron? Because LeBron took a shot at Frank. I don't know. It's not, I don't, but I don't know it thought is. Bad.
0: Kyrie also said that Christmas is not a holiday, so I don't really know what to make of the things he says anymore.
1: Yeah. Um, The other thing that was said during an interview, uh, someone asked Brad Stevens why they lost, and he said because Michael Beasley made every single shot. So maybe we end on that. That was a good one, but we have to move on to the the terrible things that happened this week. The Pistons game, maybe the low point of the week. This seemed like a, a win. We were up four with about a minute and a half left. And we lost by four, or we lost by three. So that that hurt my soul. Um, yep. uh, Porzingis came back, started doing his thing, scored more than one point, actually scored 29 times that many points. 29 <laughs> points. Uh, Cantor did a good job. He had a season-high 22 at that time. Uh <clears throat> We're gonna get to uh sixteen boards the fourth quarter. Um the execution down the stretch was just painful. Uh some of the stuff the players did, some of the stuff Jeff Hornacek did, in particular, uh tie game, 40, 44 seconds left, I wanna say. Yep. Yeah. And he, he takes out Cantor, who I previously mentioned had a season high, twenty two points at the time. And he puts in Ron Baker on offense. Um the one thing like the one thing we thought the only possible reason for this is for for defense he was worried that he wasn't going to get a chance to sub canter out but in a tie game if we score you you'd think that the pistons probably call timeout to try to get their game tying basket or if we we don't score maybe they call timeout <clears throat> but in these circumstances we didn't score but it was in under such circumstances that it wouldn't have made sense for them to call a timeout, because Ron Baker drove the lane or drove the baseline, just tried to make a little bounce pass to Lance Thomas, cutting instead just threw it off Drummond's leg, and and all hell broke loose, which which was sad. So let's start with you this time, Jake. How about that fourth quarter execution
2: down the stretch? That's a tough act to follow, man. You 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 kind of picked us up and put us down at the end there. Yeah, it, it felt like a bad movie or something, right? It's like, oh, uh, you know who uh, – God, we, should we take out Enos? Who are we going to put in? Baker. Yeah. We're going to throw it off Drummond's leg. Let's reset the clock. We'll put Cantor back in. I I don't know. I You kind of understand the strategy because, uh, I, I mean, there's the, the famous gif of Donovan yelling on the bench that I can't play Cantor because his defense is so bad but you don't even have the option to play defense if you don't get the points so uh, yeah a little bit controversial and I, I don't know it was it was good to see Staps play a good game canter not not to get the early segue going but this the Pistons game and in the sixers game holy holy Toledo but uh, yeah zinger was back and I, I'm just gonna keep patting Tom on the back saying the, the bench mob didn't travel the bench gave us nothing I mean you've got Plus minuses coming up on 20 for Beasley, O'Quinn, McDermott, and Ron Baker. And these these are guys that we depend on. And, you know, it's 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 the catch-22 we've talked about all year, whether you run the hot hand, which worked against the Celtics, or, you know, why was Ron Baker in, Kenny? Why?
3: <clears throat> so this is, I mean, this is my kind of analysis after watching that play over and over and over again. Um and if you heard after the game, I think a lot of the players, including Porzingis, said that they need to run the plays that the coaching staff draws up. Because I watched that play, and you see Jarrett Jack come across to set a cross screen for Porzingis, and Porzingis just stays there. And um, Jarrett Jack just – the ball gets inbounded to Porzingis, and Jarrett Jack clears out, and he's clearly frustrated. He's waving his arms in the air. He's shrugging like, what the hell just happened? And he goes over in, into the corner where – where is – That's where I assume that Ron Baker was supposed to be standing, just in the corner not doing anything. Instead, um, Ron Baker ends up running the pick-and-roll with Porzingis and throwing it off of Drummond's leg. So, you know, some of that is on Porzingis. A lot of it is on Baker. A lot of it is on Hornacek. But, you know, you have to run the plays that the coach draws up. At the same time, like Craig said, why was Baker in the game um, to begin with? Like, you can make the argument that you know, they don't know if the other team's going to call a timeout. They don't, don't have control of that. And in the, the play that it was probably drawn up, that Baker would just stand in the corner and not do anything. And then he would get back and play defense in the worst-case scenario. And, you know, I'm just not really sure kind of what his play was there. And I know we've had kind of a love-hate relationship with Jeff Hornacek where, you know, one week we're saying he, he did a great job playing the hot hand. The next week we're saying, what the hell was he doing? But, you know, in the end, I just think you can't you can't put Baker in there. I don't even uh, – it's arguable whether he's even our best defensive option in that position. So I'd say it's not arguable.
1: I'd say he's definitely not. There yeah, it's pretty <laughs> inexplicable to put Baker
3: in
0: there. Um, but, you know, Baker was kind of put into a position to fail. Like you said, second's it's, it's really tough to read if he's the coach that we think can, can take this team to where we want it to go. But – Uh, I mean, some weeks he's got it, other weeks, like you said, he just leaves you scratching your head. But I I don't want to be too critical of Chris Epps because he went went 12 for 28. Um, He went three for nine from three. And a couple possessions before, he took a three that uh, Clyde described as just a bad shot. And it really did end up coming back to bite him a little bit. Not enough time was taken off the clock. It wasn't a very good look. It was contested. Um, I just thought that the way he was playing, particularly – from inside the arc, I thought Porzingis could have gotten a better look, and he just seemed to rush it in a time when uh, you really can't afford to r- rush a shot. So, um, again, Porzingis, he was plus 13 in his minutes, had 29 points, nine boards, played great. But, um, you know, just decision-making down the stretch in crunch time, is—is is, uh, that's what wins and loses games.
1: Yeah, and that uh, that, uh, that rush, rush three, three was uh, 54, 54 seconds, seconds left, left up to – Am I echoing? Sounds right. good to me. All right. I was echoing for a second there. I'm back. Um, I
2: kind of liked
1: it. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll just say everything twice then. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Tom, let's go back to you. How about those back to back Courtney Lee ISOs to end the game?
0: I mean, I know I was a little, I was pretty critical of Lee. Um, did did any of you guys think that there should have been a, a foul called on those?
1: Uh, I think he wanted the foul call on the first one, at least. Um, But it it seemed like so obvious that he was was trying to draw the foul.
0: Yeah. So, like Courtney Lee this year has actually been a very good isolation player. Him and Beasley have been our two best options there. But um, yeah, overall, like Courtney Lee doesn't have really the size to 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 create space like that, especially when the defense is locked in. And I I just think that Hornacek could have drawn up better options to create more. Player movement, more ball movement. It's just, it seemed, it almost seemed like we were uh, the team in a, in a desperate position trying to generate and manufacture points when that wasn't really the case. It, it was, we were not being the aggressors in that in either of those possessions. So, yeah, I, I really question those play calls done uh, with, for Courtney Lee.
3: And I will say, Tom, in the last two minutes, the NBA uh, gave their two minute report for that game and said there were no um, incorrect calls on those Courtney Lee plays. Um, And another last one, they didn't have a timeout. Uh, So at the same time, like Courtney Lee has to know you you have to give it to Porzingis and then just kind of get out of the way. Courtney Lee kind of tried to go ISO. And then when he realized he didn't have a shot, he threw a terrible pass to Porzingis who launched up a Hail Mary that came nowhere close. But, you know, Courtney Lee's been playing well, so I can't put too much blame on him. So, but you know, that was just an ugly game from the entire team.
1: Yeah. And it's a tough spot when you're losing by three with that little time left and no timeouts because the other team is just – they know you're about to try to shoot a three. So, hey, just don't jump at pump fix If they want to score a two-pointer, just let them score a two-pointer. Who cares? So you're just guarding the three-point line. So there, there was really no hope when we started going ISO and the other team is just guarding the three-point line. That That's just not going to work. Yeah, um, one,
0: one thing I questioned uh, in that one was having Jared Jack out there – um, defending in crunch time, especially against Reggie Jackson, who is trying to be the hero there. And it would have been nice to have Frank out there just to, to bother Reggie Jackson a little bit more, to, to put his length on him, because um, Reggie really hurt us down down there and, and hit some of the, the game-deciding shots. So I, I, I also question Jarrett Jack just being out there Particularly for his defense.
1: Yeah, Reggie hit the game tying a <clears throat> little floater in the lane, and then he 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 he, uh, he got he fouled that, to hit the game
0: winning yeah. against Jared Jack.
1: Little soft foul, but terrible defense nonetheless. Terrible um, defense. So Jake, what do you what do you got to say about the game?
0: Man,
2: I I I got my kind of main ideas out there. I I started talking about Ron Baker throwing it off Drummond's leg as an actual tactic. So. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think we 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 joke about our swing game. I think that one that one kind of took the took the cake that week. Uh, game a game they could have had on the road, which after beating the Celtics again, get the media train going, get all that going. Um, I you 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 guys know the rules. I I take over as host for one time every show. Um, speaking of Jared Jack being bad, how about the Sixers game on Christmas? No, too soon on the transition. Was that right?
1: No, that's a perfect transition. All
2: right. Good. Good. I I just don't know. I I I don't know. Merry Christmas to you guys. Did I miss that? Was that the start of the show?
3: Yeah, you missed the intro when we all talked about how great our Christmases were and oh, yeah. uh, we were I'm oh, grateful that you weren't here to, to have that conversation. But now you're here, so tell us how your Christmas was before we get into the Sixers game.
2: A Christmas miracle. Well, the Sixers game pretty much tells the story of my Christmas. We're a little under the weather. I'm getting emotional watching Ozark. Um, I, the, the, the the thing I'll pass to, to Gregoire to get his analysis game going, We we were so excited the first three weeks of the season to get – serviceable point guard play, Uh, whether it was Jarrett Jack, um, Ron Baker's every other game. I guess that was later in the season. That's kind of now. And Frank, Frank Laquina showing what he can do. And Frank was our best point guard with, he went two for eight, four points, three assists, two rebounds. Baker and Jack going, combining for 0 for 9. I mean, it's just... It's it's brutal, and I you know we'll we'll get to the shooting numbers too, which paid off. But Greg, can I put all the blame on there? I mean, what what's the deal?
1: Um, yeah, the the point guard position and just the the, the backup two guard is hurting a lot. Uh, I know I used to always talk about how Jared Jack would be doing a decent job, and he'd always t- just toss up a terrible shot just to just because he deserved it. And we said that that used to be okay, but. Now that we've moved on, it's he, he, he still does it. And it's just like stop, Jarrett. Um, he did it pretty pretty late in that Sixers game at like a pretty key point. He just took like a jumper from the the elbow. And you, you wish he hadn't done that. Um, so I got no problem with Jarrett Jack starting the game, going for the first three quarters, play as much as you want. First three and a half, do whatever you want, Jarrett Jack. But it's getting to the point where Or maybe it is Frank time, I'm thinking. Um, He's better at defense. He has more offensive potential. The one thing is Frank just turns the ball over, um, sometimes very badly. Against the Celtics in particular, he had uh, back-to-back turnovers, back-to-back very bad turnovers. One of them he got tripped, which Kenny pointed out. The other one, he just did a terrible job and turned the ball over. And it seems like he does that in the fourth quarter sometimes. So maybe Hornacek is just trying to protect the ball, which you 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 can't blame him for doing that. Um, Frank's better at defense. Frank has a higher ceiling. And the one thing I want to point out is in these Pistons and Sixers games, Jarrett Jack, four points. Lance Thomas, three points against the Pistons. Jarrett Jack, zero points. Lance Thomas, two points against the 76ers. That's two of our starters combining for two points in a basketball game. That's that's probably why we lost. Uh, Yeah,
3: it's not good. Um, One thing that I know we're going to – I know it's on the list to talk about later is – Hardaway jr's absence is clearly an issue because if you're talking about you know end of game situations um earlier in the season what we were doing was we had frank in the game but we had tim hardaway jr uh handling the ball which you know is a better idea because tim hardaway jr is more of a threat to score and um uh he's less of a threat to throw the ball to the other team um and at the same time you have frank's defense so that was working for us and then you know because of his injury he's been out for a while and we've been stuck with you know either you know jarrett jack taking some questionable shots or frank you know being a little bit too loose with the ball um but that's that's kind of not really been discussed that much on the pod is just how much we've missed tim hardaway jr in those situations where you know at the end of the game it would be nice if we had one more good player on the court
1: yeah, and you don't really realize how much you miss Tim Hardaway Jr. until you see Ron Baker play.
3: <laughs> Very yeah, true.
0: So, so, guys, I mentioned that I didn't get a chance to see the first court, the first half of the of the game because of uh, due to blackout in uh, the Philadelphia area. But uh, I, I see JJ Redick had 15 points in the first half, and I just went through and looked um, at those highlights, and I, I noticed one common thread. And I do not want to sound like I'm sour on Cantor, who played incredibly in that game, especially on the offensive end. Um, But for every one of his buckets in the first half, they were having Cantor's man, which was Joel Embiid, set the screen for Redick on Courtney Lee. And then Cantor was just sagging off into the paint, not helping out and Reddick was just getting open jump shot after open jump shot because Courtney Lee couldn't get over the screen fast enough. And there was no help from the, from the screeners defender. So yeah, that that's one area that I know Cantor really struggles in. Um, he's actually the worst in the league at defending the roll man out of the pick and roll. Um, he's in the fourth percentile for NBA.com. So like, when people talk about can't play him and that, and that defensive stuff, like this is what they're talking about is, you know, it looks like Courtney Lee's defending Reddick the whole time. And it's like, that's his man. But like, there's really, that's a team defensive scheme that they got to work on. Yeah. And, and...
1: go ahead, Greg, you, you say fourth percentile. So he's not the worst. <laughs>
0: that's of a, a of that's... qualifying big men. Uh, but the qualifications I made up. Oh, perfect. Uh, exactly, yeah.
3: There you go. There you go. That's a, that's a callback to a, a previous episode.
0: That um, is a callback. Um, was, but yeah, so he, he gives up 1.52 points per possession uh, defending roll men out of the pick and roll. That doesn't include guys like JJ who are using the screen and pulling up. So it, it, it's probably even a little worse than that. Um, so yeah. yeah. It's like, and
3: this kind of goes back to a, the, the bigger question of the, the grand scheme of our future of what we do with Cantor because he's obviously been, you know, statistically he's been playing great. He's been playing great on offense. He's been rebounding the ball. But like Jake said, there is that that uh, Billy Donovan moment where it's can we play him in defensive situations because he has that kind of um, inability to guard the, the role man. Um, maybe it can be learned. He's still fairly young, but you know, this this brings up the question of: we have a lot of big men. What do we
0: do? And look, guys, I don't mean to pick on Canner here. He dropped 31 points, 22 rebounds. The Knicks were plus three in his 35, almost 36 minutes. So, like, he wasn't the problem. I, I just I couldn't believe that Redick had 15 in the first half, went for 25, 24 for the game. Um, it just I, I couldn't I, believe that that we let that happen.
3: I mean, there was also just a terrible call against Courtney Lee, which I am willing to attribute. Um, most of his scoring, too, for no other reason than I'm yeah. a homer. Um, but, like, Courtney Lee was just guarding him, and he missed a jump shot and just sat down on the ground, and the refs said to call a uh, uh, foul on a three-point shot, so he made three uh, free throws after that. So I'm just going to bring that up just
1: to take away from what you're saying. Hey, We appreciate that. Hey, Tom, um, <laughs> has has Cantor gotten better at defense, do you think? Or Because they talk about how he's, he's been trying harder and he looks better at least. But,
0: uh, yeah, so I pulled up some numbers on that. Thanks for asking. Um,
1: no problem. He's
0: still solid um, defending the rim. So like, so 61 players have defended at least 100 shots at the rim so far this year, and Cannon ranks 27th, which is better than average, yeah. right, allowing 59.2% uh, field goal percentage at the rim. Porzingis still ranks first. Allowing just forty three percent, but Embiid's catching up to him. But yeah, so Canner, if he's just asked to to stand vertically in, in the paint and and deter shots at the rim, he's fine. It's just when he gets out in space, it's a problem, and it's the way he affects the Knicks' team defense. So All when right. he's when he's on the court, the Knicks allow almost hundred eight points per hundred possessions, and when he's off the court, it's just under one o three points per hundred possessions. So that that five point differential the, the knicks are five points better per hundred possessions better when a uh, Canner's on the bench defensively that's the largest differential on the team so that's he's right. like the worst so uh, and how, are,
1: how are we on offense well i'll give you some time to look up those stats if you don't have them already but
3: and i'm also wondering how um how kp is on you know as the help man just because watching him i, I know he's a great defender on the interior but um if you watch him close out on you know help help threes and stuff. He just doesn't seem to put much effort effort into it, but maybe he's got the length to not really care about that. So Tom, we'll give you some time to look into that. Greg, what hey. were you saying? Wait, I, Jake. I, Jake.
2: Jake, what are you he, he still here?
1: Jake, what do you gotta say?
2: You guys have missed the whole story of the game. If I have to watch the Knicks get TJ McConnell again, I'm oh a done. So I'm true. out. Man, like, okay, so I get it. So Embiid did his thing, twenty-five and sixteen. That's fine. Like, that's what this dude does. And we put Cantor on the court. Fine. JJ Redick, you know, JJ has some nights. The, I, I mean, he's gonna shoot his three balls. The only thing that is brutal is like, you can't let JJ Redick get to the line. Like, those, those were eight free points he got. The one foul we mentioned that, I mean, that was pretty meh. But eight free throws, like, that's you you can't do that with JJ but it's still fine like if JJ Reddick scores 24 points you're okay with that he can do that Sarge looked like hot butt like yeah, he started a french um he looked <laughs> well. I, I'm I'm okay with getting Sarge we held Simmons to 8 points 3 assists and 8 boards I mean that's that's a dream that's all you can really want but to get McConnell comes in and just dominates us he goes for 15 5 4 and 2 um and, I mean, that the third or fourth quarter, whenever he, he kind of made his, his own personal run there, I, I mean, that's just I, – I don't want to say deflating on a rude level because don't get me wrong, I've been a T.J. McConnell. I've gone in and done a, got a couple buckets, and they're like, really, that guy did it? But, like, <laughs> that's tough. Like, you're trying to lock down Embiid and Simmons and these guys, and then McConnell goes for 15. He's their, he's their third leading scorer on the night. I, I just think that was, that, was, that was kind of brutal. And, I mean, I, after the game-winner over Melo last year, I mean, it's, I, I think I made the joke with you guys that, you know, LeBron, it's LeBron's favorite playground. It's T.J. McConnell's favorite playground. Let him play one-on-one for it.
1: That's sad. Uh, one thing I want to point out, I don't, I don't even know if this is true, just looking at the box score. The entire Knicks starters are positive, plus-minus. The bench... Minus 17, minus 10, minus 10, minus 12, minus 13. Entirely double-digit negative. Um, the McConnell effect. Yeah, for the Sixers, Simmons is minus 4. Joel Embiid's plus 25. Um, In 33 that,
3: and 34 minutes.
1: Does that mean that Hornacek was just letting Embiid go at the second unit? That, that's what I'm... That's what I would assume if I'm, I'm just looking at the box score, but I, I don't have any facts to prove that. It seems that if he's plus 25 and our entire starting unit is in the positive, it seems like he had to have done damage against that second unit. Um, and, you know, anecdotally, um, I, I,
3: I know we were watching the game together and I was talking to you about Kylo Quinn trying to guard him and it, how bad it was. Um, I know there was a at some point he was squaring up for a three, and he did not even like a real pump fake, but just like a oh, I'm gonna pretend a pump fake. And Kylo Quinn just like jumped straight by him, and he yes. just drove it in. It's that's like, funny. And it's like that's just terrible defense. So you know there is something to that where you know Kylo Quinn probably shouldn't have been guarding him uh, for any extended time. And I guess Kylo Quinn only got 11 minutes, but. Those were bad 11 minutes.
1: Yeah, minus 10 in 11 minutes. So if he played the whole game, he would have been a minus, I don't know, 44-something. or something.
0: Yeah, That's I, I right. mean, I definitely shared Jake's frustration with the TJ McConnell thing. Um, I know he, he got – he was two for three on wide-open threes, as was Joel Embiid. This is, again, per – nba.com so wide open 3s being when defenders are 6 or more feet away from the shooter when they take the shot. So yeah, the 76ers m- most of their their makes run wide open ones. Dario Saric to Jake's point was 0 for 5 on wide open 3s, so that's nice. But uh but McConnell's t- typically I think a pretty horrendous shooter. So uh, usually I'd say like let him shoot, but but wide open is is a different story. So he's a uh, and Yeah, just one real quick. He, he's a um, – actually, this year he's been a decent three-point shooter, but usually he just doesn't take them.
1: Yeah, so he's shooting 48% on one attempt per game. Career, 32%. Time. There you go. That's what we're looking
3: at. That's it. And you. the the thing is, though, sometimes we talk about how sometimes the ball doesn't go in the hoop. Sometimes the ball does, and like in this case, I know there's just one play in particular I'm, I'm thinking of where you know Frank was guarding him really well, and he like drove into the paint, like did a spin move, and Frank was on him, hands up, and he just made a floater over him, and like that's uh, for some reason that's the only play that's coming to mind for McConnell um, on my end. But you know sometimes that happens where shots just fall, you know. So I'm not I'm not as kind of. It's not great that McConnell scored 15, but at the same time, I'm not, you know, 15 points is not a a huge number that is like unreasonable.
1: We got we got any final thoughts on uh <clears throat> on this game before we move on to the, some of the bigger topics? I, I know I got one topic that ties in anyway, but Jake, you got you got any last thoughts?
2: Man, I just got a little thing which it's funny because we we like digging through the box scores and you like watching the game, man. Kenny mentioned buckets that go in and it's just like deflating. I remember the Knicks were kind of rolling and dude, Amir Johnson made this hook shot that hit every device in the garden. It could, and then it dropped. And you're just like, what? Yeah, And like that, that's something that doesn't show in the box score. Um, like even, I, I, I don't know. You watch the replay of the game and like, that was kind of a big moment. Like that's, Two yeah. points, slows momentum, and it's Amir Johnson. So uh, that's that's all I got.
1: Another deflating point. J.J. Uh, Redick missed a three. Someone on the Knicks slapped yeah. the ball. I think Kylo Quinn maybe just slapped the ball out instead of grabbing it. He probably couldn't have grabbed it, which is why he slapped it. Directly, directly to, to him. To J.J. Redick, who then made a three. Which, wide open. Which was bad. Uh, but let's move on. Uh, this is kind of moving on, but it's kind of sticking with it. Ron Baker in that game. I think he attempted uh, three layups and he did not connect. Did not connect with the rim uh, on <laughs> any of them. Uh, Embiid might have blocked one. It was tough to tell, but you know, based on his other two attempts, I'm not convinced that Embiid did block it. Uh, so that that hurt, and we keep seeing Ron Baker play, and that just makes you think about. How much we miss Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, Ron Baker's not necessarily taking Hardaway Jr.'s minutes, but he's taking the backup minutes of of who would be playing, uh, and it hurts. So, what do you what are you thinking about? What are you seeing in Ron Baker, Kenny? I need your take on Ron Baker badly. Uh,
3: you you know how I feel about yeah. Ron that's why I need I That's not. why I need your take badly. <laughs> I am not a fan of Ron Baker. Like I get it. He tries really hard. He plays some pretty good defense, but like particularly this week, watching him play on offense was just horrendous. And it's not even that, you know he makes stupid decisions, which we talked about last week is sometimes he'll get cocky or he'll get like pumped after making good play and just do something stupid. It's that he's just like bad at playing offense. he he can't he has trouble dribbling. He gets, you know, overconfident. He – I don't know. It, it makes me angry um, to just think about it. But like you said, when Tim Hardaway Jr. comes back, I just don't think that there's kind of any room for him.
1: Yeah, and he didn't really – he he played the first three games. I think he played one game for like a, a minute or two. And then maybe he played the last game Tim Hardaway Jr. played. And, and then since Hardaway Jr. has been out, he's been playing. So – Hopefully, when Hardaway Junior comes back, um, Baker's stops playing. Does anyone else have any takes on Baker? Should we just move on to Hardaway? Um,
3: Can I can I throw something out there real quick? Um, So Baker this week in four games in uh, four games this week he is shooting eight point three percent from the field. That's solid. (laughs) That's solid. That's all I got for you guys. Uh, That's yeah. all I got. So that yeah. goes along with my whole premise that he is terrible at playing offense. Yeah, yeah. So
0: he took he took six shots from within the restricted area, and made one of them for a robust sixteen point seven percent from the restricted area. That was a that was a layup against
1: the the Pistons, assisted by Beasley. I believe wide open. It was a good cut, good back cut. Ron, more of that. Bless of the missing layups. Um, So I actually had the stats, too. Ron Baker, 9 for 21 from 3 this year, 5 for 18 from 2. So that adds up to very bad. Um, (laughs) So he's shooting about 42% from 3, but like 36% from the field. And we've talked about that where... If he if his whole role was on offense was just
3: to stand still and maybe shoot a three if he's open, I'm fine with that. But somehow he ends Thomas. up handling the ball. Yeah, Lance Thomas. If but he ends up handling the ball and just throwing it away and you know taking cocky shots and trying to drive to the rim and missing missing the rim on layups. So all right, let's move on. to That's some, my two cents.
1: Let's move on to some. Better stuff? I don't know. Jake, talk to us about how much how much we're missing Tim Hardaway and what he used to bring to the table. They said he he, he we're expecting him back sometime this month. He's not cleared to run yet, I guess, which doesn't sound good, but Hornacek expects him back sometime this month. Hasn't played since November 29th or sometime at the end of November.
2: The quotes are, like, really weird. Like, even from the start... I think we mentioned it two, three podcasts ago, and we kind of BS through it because we weren't sure of the injury. But yeah. like they, they've still been weird about it. It, it. Haven't they've been saying shin the most? But like the most recent quote I saw was like, it, it was the positive thing. They're like, well, it more movement every day. It's like okay, so that's <laughs> cool, man. Me, me too. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. We, um, which I, I, I'm sure. They, they mentioned on the broadcast and they said it we 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 tried to say it every other way and they they actually said it the best way but I mean 16 of the next 20 are on the road we're a bad road team um, I I don't know I have no idea if Tim Hardway was close to playing against Philly and they're saving him or if we're not gonna see him through January you know um, and the uh, like like was mentioned with Ron Baker I mean that's a huge part of Tim Hardaway's game not being Ron Baker and (laughs) and he he's great at great at finishing finishing at the 10 too so I don't know I mean we we got super excited we were winning a lot of games and kind of missing Tim Hardaway was a little bit of an afterthought there but um I mean we we kind of needed to get him right before this road stretch otherwise I'd. Talking Yanks is going to turn into Jake talking sad Ozark episode again. So, um, talking next, talking next, talking Yanks,
1: talking next, talking next is going to turn into talking Yanks. Talking Ozarks.
0: Talking Ozark. Yeah. I watched the first episode of Ozarks. I, I like Jason Bateman. We'll, we'll see if I, uh, if I jump back into that, but, um, gotta go. yeah, yeah. I mean, Speaking of transitions, the the Knicks have really struggled in transition without oh. Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, and just I'll, I'll give you some numbers for the entire year. The the Knicks rank 24th in transition frequency in the league. So they only run transition. They only get out in transition on 12% of their possessions. What what was that in the league? That's 24th in the league. Hmm. But then Oof. they're only 25th inefficiency so scoring on those plays. So not only are they doing it very infrequently, but when they do get out there, they aren't even scoring well. So they're in the 17th percentile. They rank 25th in points per possession on transition. So when I mean that's just where you're supposed to get your easy buckets, and that's something that Tim Hardaway Jr. is is a lead at. I mean, he's one of the best best shooting guards in the league at that. So since he's been out, I'm sure that the Knicks have just cratered in that category, and it's, it's just. It's hard when that your offense relies on that, right? So, um, so in December, it's actually the Knicks' offense which has really struggled. In December, they've they've had the 20th ranked offense and the ninth ranked defense. So maybe that'd be surprising to you guys, but um, their, their defense has been top 10 this month, but they've been so bad offensively, it it just hasn't really worked out. So Tim Hardaway Jr., we miss you. That is
1: surprising, and that, that transition number is surprising, too, because you could see Hornacek telling him to push the pace a lot. It's, that's his <laughs> move. He just stands on the sideline and gives the the third base coach, go, go, go.
0: Yeah, Greg, you could be you could stand in as coach there, but the, the Knicks, here's another number for you, so transition's a little different from fast break points. The Knicks ranked 29th this year in fast break points at six points per game.
1: That's even worse that's than bad. 24th.
0: Second to last. Yeah. All right.
1: Jeez. Uh, well, now I'm sad, so maybe we should just end the pod. <laughs> uh, no. So. Great pod, everyone. We talked about it a little, but let's keep going. Are we Are we playing Jared Jack too much? Jake, you're the one who started it. You started this conversation.
2: It's tough. We, um, I'm, I'm you know why I mentioned talking Yanks? Because I was going to mention it with Ron Baker. Like I mentioned it to you guys. Uh. You know, the Yanks have relief pitcher Delon Batanzas Tom, I'll, I'll paint the picture for you. I know you're uh, you're newer to the game. What? <laughs> uh, Delon Batanzas huge guy. He's been an all-star like the past four years, relief pitcher. But there's literally days when he just can't throw a strike. And it it got so comical to the point that I think Girardi pulled him after three pitches or four pitches. I, I thought it was before a full at-bat this year. Yeah, but, I think like, so. They, they literally saw it and it was just recognizable it was like today's one of the days throw up the red flag not not today big fellow we appreciate you and i think we need to do that with baker i think jack's a little more touch and go because he, he is a veteran presence he he can have a bad box line but still be a solid player right by moving the ball and things like that so i don't think we're done on jack but i think it's it's getting to the point where it's still a little inexcusable unless he's having a good night, like the end of the Pistons game. Why? Yeah. yeah he, scored, he
1: scored his first points in that fourth quarter.
2: If, if he's, you know, if it comes down to <laughs> four guys having a bad game, whether it's Jack sessions, Baker, uh, Frank, I mean you still throw Frank out there because yeah. it, and at least Frank has Frank has a legitimate skill that he can bank on. He can play defense. And, you know, Jared Jack, if he's having a bad night, what, what does he bank on? M- moving the ball on offense? I mean, that's tough. That's still the NBA. So, I, um, I don't know. I still like Jared Jack. Um, I loved him in the Knicks Christmas photo, went turtleneck and blazer. So, you can't lose that kind of thing. Because, you know, Willie, Will Bill and the young guys want to go with the young swaggy sweaters? Just traditional, baby. Give me that turtleneck <laughs> and blazer all day. And then give me Frank in the fourth quarter.
0: I've got a Jared Jack stat for you guys if you're if you're interested. No, um, yeah, you know we're Yankees. interested.
3: Oh yeah, oh, Greg's not. Never mind. Greg's yes, not. please.
0: So, so when Jared Jack is on the court, the Knicks offense scores 107.7 points per 100 possessions. That is the best figure on the team. So, so yeah, the the, the Knicks offense really does seem to thrive when Jack is out there. How's the defense?
1: Wait, so wait, wait, wait. They score 107 points per possession with Jack on the court, and that's the best <laughs> on the team? And they, yeah. gave, they gave up 108 with Cantor on the court? Uh,
0: so when, that,
1: that yep. The answer is yes, I remember. Uh, <laughs> so that, that means Cantor has to be a a, neg- a net negative, right?
0: Cantor is a net negative, that's right.
1: Wow. There's, there's a sad fact of the day, everybody.
0: I mean, this is just pure net rating. I don't know. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't like equalized for lineups and all that stuff, yeah. but like just straight up, when Jared Jacks on the court, Nick score one hundred seven point seven points per one hundred possessions. When he's off the court, he score one hundred uh, and two. So they're five point seven points per one hundred possessions better when Jared Jacks on the court offensively. What about defensively? Defensively, that's they're, that's they're three points <laughs> worse with uh, him on the court. So it's a it's a net he's a net positive a two. two.
3: Yeah, because that's the concern with Jarrett Jack, and especially down the stretch, is uh, I don't know about his ability to actually play defense against NBA players. But again, like we talked about this earlier, the issue with Frank is I don't know about his a- ability to handle the ball down the stretch. So that's why we need you know Tim Hardaway Jr. and and we maybe Definitely. even a little bit of just Courtney Lee handling the ball down the stretch, um, in close games, and because it's just a lot of the offense down the stretch is is. You know, sometimes it's just pick and rolls with the point guard and Chris stops and everyone else just clear out and park by the three-point line. And that's something that, that uh, Frank can do, and I'm
1: happy to have him do. So hopefully- I think a lot a lot of Frank's problem handling the ball down the stretch is mental. He's a, he just seems to throw the ball away. It's not like he, he can't dribble it like Baker. Uh, it's, it's more decision-making, which hopefully – That'll come. He's 19. He, that'll come. He's 19. Jinx. No, uh, <laughs>
0: it wasn't the same time. <laughs>
1: what? Um, I, I got, I got. Uh, we can, we can move on from. Uh, Jarrett Jack, Ron Baker, Frank. Um, little note: Is Joe Kim Noah had a Willie in the in the rotation in the Pistons game? Uh, Hornacek just snuck in Joe Kim for three minutes. I don't, I don't think he he didn't want anyone to see, so he tried to be sneaky about it, but. Kenny, what'd you think about that move? Tom, what do you think about that move?
0: <laughs> out, All right. Um, I mean, I don't even really know where Billy is in the rotation at this point. It, it seems like Hornacek, we, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes, right? So we have no idea yeah. um, what, what's really going on there, but it does seem like uh, he's just completely fallen out. He's only playing during blowouts and, you know, if Joe Kim Noah gets the the two minutes of garbage time instead of Hernan Gomez, that doesn't really bother me so much. It just it's frustrating that he's not even a an afterthought in the rotation. So that's what happens when you have a half dozen bigs buying yeah. for for time. Like someone's going to get left out, and it happens to be Hernan Gomez here. But I do think he has value. I think I think other teams look at him and think of him like on a cheap contract. And, and I'm not saying that the Knicks should trade him or but maybe testing the market wouldn't be a bad idea if he's not if he's just going to waste on our bench he's he's a very skilled player and i think some some teams could use him.
1: Yeah, and the one thing is it wasn't garbage time. It was uh, it might have been the second or third quarter in, in this close pistons game i'm talking about. Um, but it also it was only two, like two two offensive
2: rebounds. rebounds for big bro joe by the way in those 3 minutes. Yeah,
1: it was only 3 minutes, so it wasn't it wasn't anything serious. I just uh,
0: equate him with garbage time. That's my fault. Um,
1: that's that's probably what you meant by it. You didn't mean actual like a blowout. You meant oh he's in. This is garbage. <laughs> Understandable. Um, next week we got three games. I mean we already played one game. We we lost. So that'll mark that'll make our guessing easier. We we know that we lost a game this week. But next three games at the Bulls, who we already lost to. At the Spurs, who we are surprisingly good against, usually. And at the Pelicans, who you never know what you're going to get with those guys. So they could be the best team. They could be the worst team. We'll see. So, Kenny, let's go back to you. What's your prediction for this week? We know at least 0-1. So uh, what about the rest? So we got to
3: take Chicago. We have to take that game. Like, just plain simple.
1: Chicago seven and two since Mirtich came back. I don't, I don't care. We have to take that game. Um, the
3: Spurs. I'm just gonna write that up as a win. Um, and then the pivot game has to be the Pelicans, right? No, but I think you know, I think this could easily go. We, we could. I'd like to see us beat the Bulls. The Pelicans, we can't beat. The Spurs is probably the one that were like, all right, maybe that's not our game. Spurs so are had
1: we done. Spurs are fifteen and two at home. The Knicks that, are, should the I Knicks be worried are, about that? The Knicks are two and whatever on the road. So it's like, so, the, like the opposite. It's like the worst of both worlds.
3: Hmm. Hmm.
1: Yeah, but like if you take...
3: They lost two games at home, and we've won two games on the road. So if we win, then it's three and three. So it'll it'll stay even. Yeah. Um, because that's, that's how... <laughs>
1: that's a good point.
3: Yeah. Um. But no, I think this, the Spurs games is probably the one that we're like, all right, that's probably a loss. Um, had we... Had we done this podcast before the the Sixers game, I would have wanted that one as a win. Uh, but since it's after, I'm going to ignore that. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go a, with a, a dark one in three week, um, saying that we split the Chicago and the and the uh, Pelicans
0: games. Uh, so Kenny, you're already including the Sixers game in your prediction. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's that's what we're doing. That that was this week. I decided to make it easier for everybody. Make our, us us feel good about getting a closer closer. It's like game the right.
2: R- RSTLNE on on Wheel of Fortune.
1: Exactly, we are to get them. Tom, what are you thinking about this week? You you're a Spurs writer.
0: I am a Spurs writer. They've been really good at home, um, but Ka- Ka- Kawhi has been starting to look pretty good. <laughs> oh. Um. Yeah, I, I could see that one being being a loss. They're just very well coached. Um, they really execute well. But they, they do play a similar game to, to the Knicks in that they take a lot of – they do end up taking a lot of mid-range shots. They don't take very many threes. They like to get on the offensive glass too, like with their, with their two bigs in Aldridge and Gasol. So, like, they, the Knicks actually don't match up poorly against the Spurs. So, so just penciling that in as a as a as a loss for New York may not be a good idea. The the home away splits are, are what do concern me there and probably put me over the top. So I think you guys think the Bulls is a win. You you just have to win that one if you want to make the playoffs. Like you can't go going losing to the Bulls twice in a row. Um, and then the Pelicans is going to be interesting, man. Like Davis and Cousins are both beasts. Um, uh, the the Knicks would probably put. Porzingis on Davis and Cantor on Cousins, but but that's it's tough because because Cousins likes to have the ball out in the perimeter and like drive from the three point line and, and make plays that way. So it, it almost makes you think you'd rather have Porzingis moving his feet out there. I, yeah, Hornets got some some interesting matchups for that one. I'm gonna go ahead and say that that the Knicks will beat the Pelicans and uh, and get two wins this week. So two and two for the week. All right, that's
1: what I like to hear. Uh, one thing I want to note is in the last five years, the Knicks are five and five against the Spurs. Um, so that's good. That's way better than you would expect because we're the Knicks and they're the Spurs. Um,
3: and the Knicks were really bad
1: for a few years. So yeah, that's true. Uh, we that's beat probably them, the win. We beat them in that year where uh, where Shane Larkin was our best player. Uh, so, so, Jake, you look like you're you're trying to get out of here. You got any parting thoughts? What are we gonna do this week?
2: Um, you're gonna, you guys are gonna call this a hot take. I think we go four and zero. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Turn back it. the clock. Santa Claus came to town. No, I. You guys touched on a lot of the good stuff. I mean, the the Spurs is what it is. Go up, hack, shoot some threes. If they start going in, okay, go for it. I like that. If if not, you say okay. We're on the road against the Spurs. C- catch them next time. Um, and also, just hey, we we kind of were right about it. The first real Knicks road trip or first back to back. I wonder if this road trip, some fatigue. If you do start seeing Willie get in the rotation, that would be something to watch for a little bit. But um, <clears throat> you guys kind of nailed it on the head. I mean, the Pelicans are a weird matchup for everyone nowadays, right? <laughs> I mean, they yeah. they throw the two two elite centers at you in a in a league that doesn't really have centers anymore. So again, you uh you know that, that Houston Pelicans box score still haunts me where Drew Holiday and Etoine Moore combined for like hundred fifty points or whatever. <laughs> so we'll yeah. we'll see. I mean that's that's a coin flip and the polls, I mean I I don't want to tell you guys I called it, but Laurie Marknon, rookie of the year, Miritich MVP. So um you, I don't know. I, I I would love God, you you have to get one. Um you, you have
1: to beat the Bulls. We have to.
2: Yeah, but then if they beat San Antonio and New Orleans, we're saying, okay, we're we're the best team in the world. So I I don't know. I I get two, you know. Start yeah, showing yourself that you can win road games. Uh the Bulls one would be huge because then you could kinda in in your head split San Antonio or make an excuse for San Antonio. Um I don't know. I'm I'm going one and three just because I, I have to see them on the road to believe it. Look at that. Yeah. I'm gonna
1: go.
0: Tom, what'd you go? What was your official pick? I said two and two.
2: Nice. I'm gonna go two and two with
1: Tom. I think that the Knicks know that they need to win on the road. So I think they're gonna beat the Bulls. And since this 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 stretch of sixteen out of twenty road games, I think it is. Uh, yep, they they have to win, and if they wanna they wanna do a good job during the entire stretch, they have to start at the beginning. Uh, if they just start out by losing these games right off the bat, then they're gonna be in for a rude awakening. And I think we'll we'll find our answer of if, if the Knicks are a playoff team very quickly if they lose lose a few games this
0: week. Um, yeah, I think that's so, it, Craig. Yeah, that's
1: all I got. That's all I had planned. Um, I don't know if you guys have any final points.
0: I have one question for you. Are, are I know you're hosting this podcast right now. Are you also tweeting simultaneously from the Talkin' Knicks account?
3: i no, oh, that was that's, me. That's that was me. That
0: was Kenny. When I, Very when,
3: impressive. <laughs> when I pulled out that Ron Baker stat about him shooting 8.3% from the field in the last four games that we talked about this week, I, I had to share that with the world because that's – Core. That's that's the core of how I feel about Ron Baker.
0: Real jack of all trades. There. Very nice guys. Well, yeah. I mean, follow Talking nicks if you're not. You're listening to this. Follow us on Twitter. Greg, got um, any other plugs there? So
3: I'm. I guess we should let the listeners know that we might be uh, probably delayed again next week just because we have uh, New Year's is on the schedule and um, three of the four of us will be at a wedding that day slash night and unable to, wow. to do the podcast.
1: Yeah, and Jake will not be at the wedding. He's the one of us that won't be there. If you guys
3: remember
2: no, I plan on doing the podcast. Me and uh, my friend Jack, uh, and we're just gonna we're just gonna sip on some drinks. Jack Strobel. And we're gonna no Jack Daniels.
0: Oh.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're we're yeah, gonna Jack talk sticks. You want to hear some hot takes? Yeah, no, I'm I'm actually really bummed out. So I'm glad we brought that up.
1: All right. So yeah. hey, great pod. Oh great pot everybody you, you can listen to Jake talking by himself next week it'll might be a little uh a little dark and, uh, little dark and maybe some slurred words but you know it'll be entertaining nonetheless no um, more than normal yeah <laughs>
0: we're entertainers
1: yeah it's what you it's what you pay for yeah so follow us on Twitter at Talking uh a lot of basketball.com Tom and Kenny do some write-ups Kenny does a, a quick summary of the game gives you all the points if you're not able to see it or if you did watch it you'll know that we saw everything that you saw and we'll point out stuff that maybe you didn't see because we, we we read through the box score and we go wow I didn't even know that happened
3: accurate accurate that's depiction accurate. of uh, what those recaps are
2: I think I'm gonna work on a uh, a Knicks kind of uh New Year's manifesto
1: that's a good talking, one
2: talking about the state of the Knicks and I I, I I think it's going to be important for the fans. Because it's, <laughs> I love it. It's, it's it's confusing. We we go back and forth. We're losing. We're winning. Do we want canner? So I, I think address some of those issues and then delete it a week.
1: Yeah. So watch out for uh, an article coming by Jake for the new year. Uh, Tom does some articles. Hey, Tom does some articles. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I cut you off, Jake. But you you stopped. Generating noise. Tom writes about the stat of the game a lot of the time, usually every game. Um, then Tom actually writes some good articles, too. And by, I mean, they're all good articles, but he, he writes some in depth stuff. Tom's a good writer. Uh, Jake's not a good writer. He's leaving. <laughs> see you
3: later.
1: Um, all right, guys. That's all I got for you. So follow us, read our stuff. A lot of basketball.com. Hey, thanks for talking next with me, guys.
0: All right. Thanks, guys. Good.